0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen, please. Good morning, friends. It's such a blessing to be here with you this morning. Uh, I am Richard Wineland, and I have been serving here at Christ Church Cathedral for two and a half years. I'm the coordinator and pastor for the Breaking Bread at Six community, which gathers here in the nave every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. So I don't very often get the chance to see Episcopalians in the broad daylight. But you look pretty friendly, I must say. In addition to this being the second Sunday after Pentecost, today uh, is the day when we honor the Juneteenth celebration and of course, Father's Day, when we give thanks for the gift of fatherhood and what it can be. I have been blessed with many fathers in my life. My own father, uh, my wife, Lee's father, Bill, and spiritual fathers, like the Reverend Dean Walters, my first pastor in the church where I grew up back in Altoona, Pennsylvania. This is a day when we can remember that Jesus once referred to God with the Aramaic word Abba, which means not just father, but has a, a very intimate connotation of Papa or or Daddy. In fact the origin of that word Abba is probably in the in the babbling and the cooing of a little child. Abba ba 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 like that. It's a very intimate word. Jesus prayed to God as father, not because God is only male. That, that does not reflect or encompass the wholeness of God's identity. The Bible says that God created human beings in God's image, both male and female. God as father is a way, it's one way of acknowledging God's love for this world, like the love of a, of a parent for their child. Baptism makes us all beloved, all one in the family of Jesus Christ. And the symbolic fatherhood of God gives us an example of God's loving care for us and reminds us of the love too, which we as followers of Jesus are called then to offer to this world. Of course, not every father relationship is life-giving. And... We all know, too, that the world is not always a loving and caring and welcoming place, is it? An example of that would be today's story from Luke. We see how humans can treat one another. Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples sail across the Sea of Galilee to a region of the Gerasenes, which is not Jewish territory. The presence of a herd of swine right close by is the first clue of that. And the people there are Gentiles. They are outsiders to the Jewish faith. When the disciples get out of that boat, they are essentially in in foreign country, a good 30 miles west of Jerusalem. And they are met by a wild naked man who is possessed by an unclean spirit, a demon, not the kind of language uh, commonly you hear in modern or postmodern conversations. Um, we might be tempted, I think, to uh, psychologize this uh, demon description and interpret it instead as Uh, having something to do with inner demons or um, mental illness. I think there's some merit to that. But I think it's also important for us to recognize that for the Gospels, the fact that Jesus cast out demons was absolutely central in his ministry. There are many, many stories of his exorcisms. These are clear evidence that Jesus had power over the forces of evil. Now, the Episcopal Church does not have a formal right of exorcism, but a bishop can authorize such a right if she believes that it is needed. Some of our liturgies have elements of exorcism. There are many prayers that that call for release from the powers of evil. Together we pray every Sunday, deliver us from evil. Whatever it was that possessed this this poor man, it's something that is not his fault and something that he cannot control. I have no doubt that he was often the talk of the town it's obvious that nobody knows exactly what to do about him or with him. They've tried chaining him up, but he breaks his chains. He, he's gone to live in the graveyard, among the tombs, wearing no clothes. He's not actually dead yet, but he's dead to them. He is the ultimate outsider. I imagine what Jesus' disciples must have been thinking of this fellow. From, from their point of view as pious Jewish men, this demoniac is, is unclean in just about every way you could think of. And, and if they get too close to him, they're going to be unclean as well. He's unclean because he's a Gentile. He's unclean because he's possessed by an unclean spirit. He is unclean because he's living among the dead bodies. He is unclean because he's living next to a herd of pigs. He has been exiled, driven out of town by his own people, exiled, excluded, and uncared for. He is an outsider among outsiders. And the evil that surrounds him. is not just the result of whatever demon possession is there, but also the result of others' efforts to to chain him, to exclude him, to drive him out. They have demonized him. And, And frankly, in a lot of ways, I can't blame them. But Jesus drives out the unclean spirit. He brings healing to the man. He restores him to his right mind and his proper place. And then we are told that the people of the town are afraid and they ask Jesus to please leave. The reasons for that could be because Someone lost a valuable herd of pigs, right? And a lot of money, but possibly also because this unknown rabbi, Yeshua, has come and stirred things up. He has set a a man free from his chains. Yes, but if the demons obey Jesus, what else might Jesus be capable of? What other trouble... Might he stir up? What Jesus brings is what he always brings, which is compassion first, healing, restoration, reconciliation, a new way of life, freedom. In today's letter to the Galatian church, the Apostle Paul speaks of freedom declaring the freedom we have as we are in Christ. He writes, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. There will be no demonizing No outsiders, no caste system in the Church of Christ. The the organizational chart of the Jesus movement, our polity, if you will, is as flat as a pancake. We are all equally free, we are all equally loved, and we are all equally servants. Paul is dealing with a situation in this young mission church in Galatia where people are dividing and are pointing fingers, demonizing each other. It's one of the first great disagreements in the church. This is very, very early in the Jesus movement. Galatians is the first letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament. And the church is really a sect still within Judaism, but already the cracks are starting to appear. The first Christians were Jews, but it wasn't too long before the Gentiles began to, to catch the spirit of Christ. And the, and the issue in Galatia was this. Do Gentiles have to become Jews first and then followers of Christ? Were Gentile believers required, as the Jews were, to be circumcised and did they need to keep the Mosaic law? Paul comes down very forcefully on the side of that says all are welcome. There are no requirements except that a person be loved by God and have faith. No need to be circumcised, no need to keep the law. According to Paul, faith is now our discipline and our teacher and baptism is our circumcision. This is a new thing that Jesus is stirring up If love is all we need, and faith, that's good news, because all of us are loved by Abba, God. Paul says, Christ did not come to further divide us, but to bring us together. At ancient Christian baptisms, when a person would come up out of the water after being baptized, she would be wrapped in a new set of white clothes. And maybe that's what Paul's thinking about when he writes, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. You have been born anew. Your old life with its labels and its allegiances doesn't apply any longer. Jew or Greek, he says, racial divisions don't matter. Slave or free, male or female, we could add gay or straight, black or white, Republican, Democrat, there are no insiders and no outsiders. Just shuck all that off, tear it off like an old ratty T-shirt, walk away from it. Those things, all those things no longer define define us. What defines us is our relationship to Christ. And that relationship is based on being beloved And we are. That love of Christ makes us truly free, free of human divisions, free to come together and embrace our new life and our new identity in Christ. I leave you with the words of Paul the Apostle, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. Amen.